This is KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. I am Pranjali and you are listening to Chai Time. Founded in 2013, Black Lives Matter is a global organization whose mission is simple, to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to end the violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. By countering acts of violence, Black Lives Matter creates the opportunity for imagination and innovation and an improved quality of life for all. Want to really make a difference today? You can start with a generous donation and then learn more about the many other ways you can help. Visit blacklivesmatter.com. That's blacklivesmatter.com. Welcome back, friends. This is KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. I am Pranjali and you're listening to Chai Time. And with us today, we have a very special guest. He's a renowned vocalist. And before I introduce him to you, let us listen to a beautiful piece by him, which is very special to me as well. एक उपासक हिमालयाचा मीतो यात्रेक मनात माझ्या का उपजावे संसाराचे प्रेम आय एम अ डेस्टिट्यूट सीकर अ वर्शिपर ऑफ रिनाउन्सिएशन आय एम अ पेलग्रेम ऑफ द हिमालयास वाई शुड द लव ऑफ द वर्ल्ड अराइज इन माय माइंड झाकिर टॉक्स झाकिर प्लेस मार्च 5 2015 and the divine melodious soulful voice which with pure innocence and utter surrender was singing these lines and the entire Wheeler Hall full of faculty, staff and students were left awestruck by a devoted young sadhak singer Mahesh Kai. That was a day and it is today in front of me is our very own The Mahesh Kai. Thank you Mahesh Ji, for making time and for talking to us. 
Welcome to Chai Time. Welcome to KZSU Stanford. How are you? Thank you so much, Pranjali, for such a beautiful uh, introduction, but also uh, reminding me of the beautiful memory of the concert. That is very special to me. I'm very happy to be on your talk show. Yes, and I remember we all were so mesmerized and speechless, but I gathered the courage to come to you and talk to you, and I had said in Marathi, you already were big, but things got bigger and bigger and bigger. So before we talk about all these things and your journey, tell me one thing. On that stage, when you were singing, did you imagine this or dream this big? You know, even then and now, I don't dream and imagine anything other than the music itself. To me, that by far still is the highlight of my life. When I make music, I'm with nothing else. The happiness that music gives me is not something else can. And the, I mean, what has changed is I get more opportunities to have this happiness on stage and I'm able to share it more with a multitude of people than I was at that time. And I wanted to also share something that you might not know about the concert that you just mentioned. Uh, Zakirji's, uh, so I was actually going to be just a Nagma player that day. Achha. I had a concert in Goa. I left for India the very next morning because I had a concert. Pandit Prabhakar Karekar actually uh, hosts a festival in Goa. Mm -hmm. And he had invited me to sing. I had to postpone that ticket to India to make sure that I am able to spend some time with Zakirji. It's always a rare honor. And that day, Tony Bhavi, his wife, had called and said, uh, are you available on this date? And then when we, I was speaking with Zakirji, he said, I know you are a singer. In his very endearing <laughs> way where he really, really, um, uh, you know, respects and gives you a lot of respects and actually to a point where you start feeling embarrassed. I said, I know you are a singer and I know I'm asking you to play uh, harmonium with me. I hope it is okay. And obviously I said, Zakirji, just <laughs> staying around you in whatever capacity is always uh, a worthy moment for me. So I did not know I was going to sing that day. Uh, just before we got on the stage and you were there so you would know, uh, Dr. Bakhle yes. introduced Zakirji. And that is the moment he turned around and said, I might ask you to sing sometime. Something. I remember that, yes. And I'm like, okay. And then I went on stage. Yes. He started with a tabla solo. And I opened the harmonium trying to say, okay, I'm going to uh, accompany him. He said, you don't need to play. So he played on his own. He did not let me play then. Yes. And I just stand sitting there wondering what really happened. Because I was there as a harmonium accompanist and after a while while he was giving an example about the tradition of music in Maharashtra he made me hum something and to me I was just demonstrating his point by singing I remember Janaki Nath Sahaya Kare Jabo and then there came his theka and I was just as flabbergasted as you were because I thought I was just going to hum a line and stop and then he made me sing another song and then another and then we took an encore even then he wanted me to sing that the memory when i came back obviously i was singing with zakirji in a concert which is a very rare opportunity and an accomplishment in itself but to me the bigger blessing was the idea that zakirji had the faith yes to make me sing last minute and I would be okay doing that on stage. To me, that was a blessing that day. I know, I remember he was like, this is my first time uh, yeah. accompanying him and yeah, and we all were clapping and he was like, yes, stage is all his and all the light he was trying to put he, on he's, you he's, and, and it was great. He's and a very you, rare, generous individual in the, uh, in the musical field, I must say. But you are a sadhak and you lived up to his expectations and see 
that day I had goosebumps and today also <laughs> I'm having the same. So listeners, मेरी आवाज ही पहचान है अगर याद रहे जस्ट द नेम महेश काय वी नो एवरीथिंग अबाउट हिम बट बिकॉज आई फील ऑनर्ड रीडिंग हिज इंट्रोडक्शन आई एनी वी डू इट महेश काय इज सैन फ्रांसिस्को बेरिया बेस्ड इंडियन क्लासिकल वोकलिस्ट रेनाउंड फॉर स्पेशलाइजिंग इन इंडियन क्लासिकल सेमी क्लासिकल डिवोशनल म्यूजिक एंड नाट्य संगीत आफ्टर विनिंग इंडियाज नेशनल फिल्म अवार्ड एज द बेस्ट प्ले बैक सिंगर फॉर क्लासिकल पीस इन द फिल्म कट्यार का जब घुसली इन Mahesh Kai has established himself as the face of Indian classical music of the new generation. Trained in the Gurukul learning system from the legendary Pandit Jitendra Bishekhi ji, Mahesh is among the most sought-after performers globally. He has performed extensively in India, USA, Canada, Europe, UAE, Saudi Asia, Southeast Asia and Australia. And there are so many other things that we all will know as we move forward but first things first i want to tell you all that we are super excited about the upcoming concert so maheshi first let us please talk about this uh, indian jazz journey featuring mahesh kai and george brooks on saturday june 25th at 8 pm dinkelspiel auditorium yes. at stanford and uh, this is a huge concert because stanford has a rich history yes. about this uh, workshop and this uh, fusion so please tell us more about it well it's not too far from where we are at right now yes, given yes. that this interview is being done in stanford yes uh, stanford jazz has been a program that has been offered for the last 50 years this is the 50th year yes and uh, it is momentous also for icma foundation which is the co-host of this uh, because icma foundation actually completed 10 years of wow. its uh, incorporation in the bay area nice. and uh, the the concert is called indian jazz journey which means there will be a synthesis of indian classical music and jazz music and that's how uh, george brooks and me uh, we fit in together i met georgey about two decades ago uh, a common friend actually introduced uh, the two of us and then we have been in touch we've made music we've played at various different venues and georgey and me we are common fixtures in the indian jazz journey and every year we bring in new musicians and explore this indian jazz journey together and reinvent ourselves and you know go to the different contours of the music as it, it evolves with the new musicians so this year is going to be something similar to that we have uh, some really really exceptional musicians uh, joining us on stage mm-hmm. and the concert as you said is on the 25th of uh, uh, this month this month at yes. 4 pm in dinkelspiel yes and i'm definitely going to uh, post the link on my blog and uh, with the show link but i want to tell the listeners very few tickets are remaining yeah. and they have to hurry up and then book their tickets so as you said uh, george brooks has been doing this for so long yes. and he has worked with zakir sahab hari prasad chaurasia ji yes. and many more yes so how was it working with him it was beautiful uh you know it's it's not just music in life we are all set on a path to find happiness yes and all of us have our own methods of seeking it yes and when you find someone seeking the happiness in the same method that you are it doesn't matter what part of the world they belong you belong together yes. that is what i realized about uh, george brooks you know he he was born in america raised in america is a new york guy who settled in the bay area now and is a jazz musician of world class repute yes. but beyond that he has so much of indianness to him and when i say that just yesterday we had a rehearsal at his place he made some really good chai 
oh, Indian wow. chai. Really? He cooks very well. He speaks Hindi very well. That's And right. of course, he understands Indian uh, music quite well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, an instant bond that was created because he spoke my language. When, and when I say my language, I mean my musical language. Sure. And when I was uh, in studying at UCSB, mm -hmm. I actually took some introductory courses in a few different subjects of music and jazz happens to be one of those. I so see. I know a little bit about jazz. So me knowing a little about jazz, him knowing a little about Indian classical music, I think we complemented each other very well and we have had uh, a long-standing friendship which continues. Perfect. And we are going to see a beautiful, yet again, a new mesmerizing concert with you. Uh, we all are looking forward to it and I'm sure you are too. Of course I am. So uh, this is present and we are talking about the upcoming things, but let me take you to the past, right? I hear that when you was just a three-year-old little boy in uh, Gondavlekar Swami Ashram, you sang a song to some 5,000 people and you were just three, so you had been singing since then. You know, I, so, It was not a concert concert. Mm -hmm. This happened at 5.30 in the morning as a part of a early morning prayer, which is called Kakada. Kakada, So yes. uh, in, the, in the Utsav or the celebration that happens in December, uh -huh. uh, there is a morning uh, prayer or ritual, which is called Kakada every yeah. single day. Yes, yes. And this particular day, my father thought it probably was a good idea for me to uh, be initiated in this uh, musical, spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And that's when he said, oh, you should sing this song, Maji Deva Puja, Deva Puja. I still remember that. So I sing it sometimes. And uh, I don't have very much recollection. So this 5,000 people were there and all was there is something my father told me after. I see. I remember, however, that my it was very, very cold. My father woke me up. Then I had a bath and then I went, I remember I wore white kurta <laughs> and uh, I, I was good at playing those symbols, mm -hmm. little short symbols. So I had these tiny symbols uh, that yeah. were worn around me yes. and I remember I, the microphone came down and people were surrounding me and then there were, you know, harmonium and the pakhavaj uh, and the tabla on my side and I sang... Uh, the song uh, to me it is like i've said you know it's 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 a place of happiness for me so i just went to my place of ha happiness very oblivious to what was going on after the song was over however uh, after the entire ritual was over because the song was only a part of uh, a bigger program after the whole thing was over i remember uh, some older grandmas coming and giving me a little piece of sweet, giving me one rupee oh. note, uh, you know, grabbing my cheeks in admiration. And then there was a positive reinforcement system that unknowingly set in my mind. Yes. Here is this thing that I absolutely love to do. Yes. And it is the same thing that gives a lot of joy to others. Definitely. And I thought I wanted to be a part of such a system where doing good is just a byproduct of being happy. Very nice. And so I true. think I found that and I'm very fortunate uh, to be able to do that today and call it my full-time profession. Perfect. And since you have such good memories, would you like to tell us which, do you remember that? Yeah. Paya tuje guru raya, guru raya, paya tuje guru raya, raya, deva puja, deva puja, maji deva puja, deva puja, maji deva puja, deva puja. Beautiful, beautiful, such auspicious beginning and Guru's Ashirwad and that one rupee yeah. and such a beautiful journey. But you were prepared that day, right? Because 
at home, you had your mom, your first guru teaching you. So please tell us about your mom and you know, she as a teacher. I grew up, uh, I must tell you, I, I, I was born and I grew up in a very middle class, typical family in <laughs> Maharashtra, in Pune. There was music uh, surrounding all of us because there was stalwarts like Pandit Bhim Sen Joshi that uh, Bhim Sen Joshi, my Guruji Pandit Jitendra Abhisheki at the time, Pula Desh Pandey, Pandit C.R. Vyas, all of these called Pune home. Yes. So obviously when there is people like these in your city, your city is going to be bustling with a lot of classical music. Yes. And I grew up in that atmosphere. To extend that my family had a lot of music. Uh, I am the first musician in my family that has called music my full-time passion. But my mother was a very, very uh, devoted uh, student of Indian classical music. She was a housemaker. Mm -hmm. So she used to take care of me and my elder brother. My father was a banker. But both my mom and my dad had uh, immense love for Indian classical music. And I think that is what reflected in the sanskar, as we say, the upbringing of both me and my elder brother. My elder brother, now he, ha he runs his own business, but he also plays the tabla because it didn't matter what the celebration we, we, we were celebrating. It could be a birthday, it could be a wedding. It all ended in a musical gathering. And ever since I have come to senses, this is how it has been. Every single morning, I remember my mother would uh, set the Tanpura to tune and start singing something. She was practicing. I didn't know it's called practice. I thought these are songs, uh, sometimes too abstract to understand. But that is how I grew up. So it, the musical training started before the actual musical in initiation started before the musical training started. So I'm very fortunate to, to be surrounded with this. My mother used to also teach uh, some students. So I remember uh -huh. I used to passively pick up a lot of music. And then there was this one incident again that my mother uh, reminded me uh, later in time was there was a pressure cooker that was going <laughs> on and then she asked the students to repeat what they were doing and she went to and then I, re I realized I think they were doing something uh, way different than my mom said and I was on this little scooter and then I said this is how I think she was singing and that's where she realized that I don't just uh, hum uh, hold a tune or enjoy music but I also have an acumen for it and then my formal journey of learning began it's only after a while that I I was asked to sit in front of my mother until then there were only games and the games were, would be, I'm going to sing a tune, you have to sing the rest of the tune. Ah. So she wanted to probably look at whether I'm retaining music. And then she would say, oh, I'm going to uh, sing a song, you have to tell me what beats uh, is it on. So she was trying to tell me, uh, uh, quiz me on whether I knew the tal. Then after some time, she, uh, I had this sense of solfages where I could just, tell the notes from the uh, from the tune so she would start saying hey, i'm going to do ah and then i would say and then she would start singing songs and i would quickly do the solfages for the song mm. so to me it has always been a game that i've always been looking forward to singing this is how my early age musical training was and this was more than me sitting in front of my mother which started happening around five, six years of age. But even before then I knew, as soon as I started to talk, as soon as I started to sing, there were kind of these gamification that we call now in the new era. I think my mother had invented it 45 and years ago. we are so thankful to your mother. <laughs> and uh, you probably know this, but Lata Mangeshkar ji has the same story where yes. her and sometimes I father think, went oh, out. Mm, should I tell these stories? <laughs> Uh, because you know it's Lata Mangeshkar's story but it I mean no, but it's see, a blessing that I have yes yes and definitely so you all are gifted people and you can say that you are surrounded with people with musical background and music was everywhere but 
it's within what we have is also yeah. important, yeah. right? Because we connect to inner Mahesh Kai, right? So, and that was mm -hmm. all, that, that all started when you were a little child. Yes. So even with this osmosis, you're getting uh, the musical training and from your mother, but uh, Pandit Jitendra Bisheki ji played a major role, right? In shaping you and making you what you are. So would you like to talk about it? It was a life-changing uh, association. I, I, I don't think I would be who I am today if it were not for my association with Abhisheki Bua. And I'm not only talking musically, but I think every aspect of my personality has a very, very uh, strong influence of the time that I have had with him. You know, I had, I remember I had finished my 10th grade examination and uh, I've always been wanting to learn music as a very rigorous passion. Uh, my father had a friend, his name was uh, Ravindra Patankar. Mm -hmm. Ravi Kaka's, Ravi uncle's uh, grandfather is Pandit Narhari Bua Patankar, okay. who was a very well-known musician himself. And Abhisheki Bua, Chota Gandharva, they had learned from Narhari Bua at a certain time in their life. Mm -hmm. So Ravi Kaka said, oh, I will take you to Abhisheki Bua. And after actually one of the Kakada artists that I mentioned, <laughs> this time in Pune, that one was not too far from where Abhisheki Bua lived. It was in Navsaihadri. So I remember we went to Abhisheki Bua's place after finishing Gondolekar Maharaj's Kakada Arti and Ravi Kaka and another, uh, an extraordinary tabla player who also was from the Gondolekar Maharaj Sampradaya, mm -hmm. Subhash Kamat. The two of them actually, they took me to Abhisheki Bua's place for the first time. And uh, that moment changed my life. That's where the association began. I was a, a young, a young uh, boy who didn't know anything at all. How old were you? I was, I think, 14 or 15 years old. I, I, I think I was just plain lucky. I should thank my stars. Because to be accepted as a disciple mm -hmm. of the huge maestro at that age, at yes. that time, where he was not performing as extensively as he was earlier, and hence he was available to teach. It's just, I think it was all a beautiful cosmic conspiracy. Yes, true. And... God's grace, Guru Krupa, Matru Krupa, everything kind yes. of uh, came together. Yes. So did you sing for, how did he select you? Because I know that's like it's... You know, initially I think he let me come because he could not say no to Ravi Kaka. That's my hunch. Because <laughs> everyone hunch. else that I saw, no, yes. I'm serious, everyone else that I saw, I saw Devaki Tai come in. I saw Raja Bhav come in. I saw Ajit Kadkade coming in around Guru Purnima time. Prabhakar Karekar, these are all his disciples. Shubha yes. Mudgal came. Asha Tai came in. So these are all the people that were essentially being mentored and trained by him. And then there is this little boy who has no clue. Obviously by that time, if you look at it the other way, I had about 100 bandishes that I knew. I was in this game of recognizing any rag within a first few seconds. But that is very superficial, very, very surface driven. Uh, I was persistent, that's how, if you ask me. <laughs> because initially, you know, I would be sent home with not much. Uh, and then my mother actually said, you must persist, you should go. And I remember one such occasion, my, I had uh, uh, an accident and my wrist broke. Mm -hmm. And I had a sling uh, and my mother said, you should go. So I went. To my luck, that day the doorbell was answered by Abhisheki Bua himself. Oh. And he was like, he looked at my hand and he said, what happened to your hand? Like I, I broke it, mm -hmm. I was in a, an accident. And then he said, then why did you come? And I just looked down because 
how could i say anything to him that's the first day that come and then i just sat nothing happened then after that in the teaching i used to sit in the back and one day he said ask him to sit back after the music lessons and then i i i i stayed back and then he said come sit in front of me he asked me to sing something i i probably sang something really terribly but he i don't know what it was uh, that he saw in me but i i i think i was plain lucky that he said come at 4:30 tomorrow morning and that's where my journey into this la la land <laughs> of music actually started because up to then i music was a very formidable part of my life yes but after that point my life became music it became a lifestyle it became something that was not just the activity of singing but it was being with music breathing music thinking of music and in its way it is very spiritual because what i had been learning in my uh, gondolikar maharaj association is the god's name should be taken in every activity that you do and in every moment when you are not doing any activity and that is exactly how i think abhisheki boy initiated me into the journey of music where you obviously sit and sing long hours of music but the music practice just becomes an inward journey and actually continues even when you are not singing even when i'm sitting and that has become a habit now i would be sitting here uh, speaking with you sharing my thoughts but somewhere in the back of my mind i'm trying to mull over a piece of music hmm. which will become a foreground right after our interview is over that is amazing and maheshi let me tell you i just do this chai time this interview because i want to relive all these precious moments with yeah. people like you and you definitely made my day this is amazing thank you for your kindness and as you said you breathe music you think music you talk music and similarly you spread music when we talk about classical music we see lot of concerts globally getting organized then there are this bollywood concerts which are sold out but when i look at you you had such a successful world tour right and yeah. everywhere there were thousands of people cheering loving it yeah. and appreciating music and uh, so how do you think this classical music you have kind of made it mainstream now that's what i think so is this a conscious effort or it just happened it's a of course it's a conscious effort but i don't think i should take the credit for uh i think it was a divine wish that got fulfilled and i i i probably am a partial medium of that that wish um see classical music is very fundamental it is like your soul food mm-hmm. uh of course with a lot of chatpata restaurants around <laughs> when you have a lot of enticing options you will want to eat all several kinds of cuisine but the one that is called your soul food is what you will always gravitate towards at the end of it all yes to me yes. classical music is like that and the reason i say is it is a tool to bring you in harmony with yourself it has a very strong spiritual meditative undercurrent to it and just like the yogic practice that has been iterated and evolved into a very uh, sophisticated science of its own indian classical music has gone through a lot of different iterations and has become a sophisticated science that we call indian classical music which we call shastriya music or literally it means scientific music yes and then if it has is as scientific then i mean i really should reach everyone 
you just need to have a tipping point for that i think that tipping point came in the form of the movie katyar ka azad gusli yes katyar ka azad gusli after a very very long time uh actually got indian classical music to the fore mm-hmm. where the up to then unlikely youngsters started to flock to theaters in yes. the first time all the parents dragged their kids because it was a musical uh, the the movie is a revival of a musical a very successful and popular musical in 60s yes which all these parents and their uh, parents had seen yes. so they wanted their next generation to be a part of that And but then, yeah. then the youngsters took a fondness and love for it and then for the second and the third screening they started to drag their parents oh, and yes. i think that is where the snowball started mm-hmm. it has extended thankfully i um i was invited to be a part of a jury for a tv show it's very rare that you have a classical musician sit on a tv a popular music reality show um for five seasons now yes and th- since then there has been an opportunity you know and tv is such a powerful medium in india right now yes yes it's watched by millions and millions of people so if you are going to every home three days a week yes. and when i go i i know everything i do will have something to do with classical music there my role was only to uh, you know give my judgment but in my judgment i ended up giving examples that sit well with the philosophy of indian classical music and i started to talk about indian classical music more and more and i think all of these things and of course a lot of efforts that other people are taking have kind of all taken this movement to where we are where as you said you know i i was on a you could call it a world tour because i was in india i was in dubai then uk then 12 cities in the us then yes. germany switzerland i did 20 22 concerts and along with i did 11 12 workshops because i'm I very passionate about teaching i was going to ask you about also. that that you're so excited about your workshops i so. am i am you know but the whole philosophy is goes back to what i shared in the beginning anything mm-hmm. that you love you want to share yes that is my that is at the core of my being <laughs> anything i love i share yes and it is something that i learned from my mother because i remember my mother was a very very kind lady very kind lady because even if someone a random person and this used to happen when we were growing yes. if they if there is a construction worker or anyone that is working they rang the doorbell and said can i have a glass of water if it is summer time she would ask do you want cold water <laughs> and then then she would give something along with it to say eat this yes. because you have been working i have uh, been fortunate to be surrounded by this kindness since i grew and then i want to share what i think makes me happy and i think what makes people happy yes. sometimes i do it in the concert arena Mm-hmm. and other times i do it in in workshops and at a more sustained uh, cadence i do it when i teach indian classical music yes and talking about that the guru shishya parampara and teaching you have your own mahesh kai uh, school, school of, of music. music yes so uh, how did that start uh, <laughs> how is well, it again, going it started as a coincidence <laughs> i was at ucsb okay uh, going doing my masters in multimedia engineering at the time this was in early 2000s uh, and uh, there there was a concert of a certain musician who was not able to fulfill the uh, leg dem that was scheduled the next day mm-hmm. and then i was a stand in uh, because i was on on campus <laughs> and they were in soup uh, so i went in i did a lecture demonstration the way i knew it and people loved it so much so that i was asked to do another one the very next week in the same class then i did it again and then there were a bunch of uh, people that actually came up to me and said we are doing a paper on spirituality and music 
can we interview you someone else said oh there is uh, nada yoga that we have heard can can i have your thoughts and from that uh, you know there this idea of will you teach us music started so actually i started to teach music when i was actually going to school doing my masters right at santa barbara wow and then i had a sizable community of about, about 2030 uh, active students Achha. and with them you know the whole fam- family converts into a, a, a student <laughs> community so we had in at, at the time there were very few indian representatives in 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 the university and the neighborhood uh, then the community started to grow then at social annual uh, event there used to be my uh, students used to put t- together a song yes. that's how it started and then uh, my wife purva got a job at dolby labs in san francisco after we were done yes. so we moved here and i had always had fondness for management i somehow feel there is a, a similarity between management and spirituality it is about balancing things mm-hmm. at its core mm-hmm. making things uh, operate smoothly so there is happiness in both of them Uh, so i actually went to do another masters in santa clara university in in engineering management so while i was doing that i remember a couple of my friends from ucsb had taken jobs in the bay area Achha. so they said you are here why don't you start teaching us again so then i started teaching again when i was still doing my masters at uh, scu and then the student population grew this is something i have been deeply passionate even now mm-hmm. uh and then it became a school and the fun fact is i did not my school did not have a name until its 10th year and in 10th year i realized my students have an identity crisis because they're like who what is the name of your school they will say um mahesh kale and that was actually just the name of a person so the student community decided to call it mahesh kale school of music or mksm as it is called yes and then it has been a a beautiful journey so far another new uh dimension that got added was actually in the in the pandemic in pandemic i also have a non-profit organization which is co-hosting the stanford event called icma foundation or indian classical music and arts foundation yes we are in uh, we exist to preserve nurture and celebrate indian music mm-hmm. what that means is we put out concerts uh, that are top notch um i i'm not sure if you have attended if you have not please come to our next one and then whatever funds come from it mm-hmm. we actually put those in use for the underprivileged children who want to learn indian classical music but are challenged by the means we give icm scholarships there is a bunch of scholars that are learning so i've always been trying to see what in my domain can i do to make the society a better place definitely and you know just having uh, all the resources available mm-hmm. to you is not enough yes because let's say you have a home that is clean and your front yard is not clean you need to clean your front yard if your front yard is clean but the main road is not clean then you need to clean the main road Yes. and then you when when you go on the street if that street is not clean so until and unless the everything in the world is not clean you cannot stay clean to me if i want to be happy of course i sing but if i want to uh, make more people happy i want to make more instances that can sing to the community sure. and hence i started teaching pandemic was a time where you know all these activities like any other activities in the world came to a standstill yes and everything started to go online all people started to work remotely all students started to go to school remotely the technology adoption was at its all time high and i had been teaching remotely for at least 10 12 years before them this was in 2008 when i was actually 2009 where i actually had to spend 3 months in india i was uh, a part of the musical katyar kazar gusli and i was playing one of the lead roles in that which meant i had to stay and do our rehearsals in india so i remember every morning at 4:30 i would get up 
and I would still call all my students in my home. I put a TV. At that time, there was Skype. There was no Zoom. <laughs> so Skype, I, they, I would Skype in. All my students are sitting exactly where they would be otherwise in the class. At the time, they would be. And there was a TV where I would otherwise sit. And I used to have, I've been teaching online for many years. So teaching online is something I already knew. Technology adoption was there. So we decided one of the easiest way to give sustained happiness would be to make people sing in their homes because there is yes. so much stress all around you. Yeah. You cannot step outside. So we decided to do a workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a thousand people that enrolled for the workshop, wow. which was mm-hmm. amazing in all parts of the world. Uh, so and I this decided, is during pandemic, This right? is yeah, just yeah. when pandemic hit. Okay. I remember this was uh-huh. um, May, June or something okay, around okay. that time. Yeah. And then, of course, I couldn't accommodate all the students. Mm-hmm. But instead of doing one workshop, I, I think I ended up doing five workshops. And uh, at the end of each workshop, uh, I was... Because I knew technology decently well and I had been teaching remotely, I was able to see the real happiness in this virtual world. You know, some simple things as I make people close their eyes and sing a single note. And when I saw a glow on their face just of being with that note, I was like, oh, this virtual medium is actually having a real impact and then at the end of every workshop all the students said sir we want to do this workshop again can you do this again can you please teach us every week and then I was like I'll give you a homework mm-hmm. if you do the homework then I'll consider uh, One more. doing this yes. and almost everyone sent the homework wow. it was so difficult that I had to set up uh, my students here to evaluate the homeworks because wow. they were in hundreds. Then I'm amused because people always say that classical music is very, very no, complicated. It's a and when you talk about your students' workshops and classes, I see that they want more and more. And even when I was in the audience listening to you, you made us sing and we were singing with you. See, so, I don't think anything you love with all your heart can be difficult. True. I, I honestly don't think. But you have to love it. Yes. Of course you have to yes. love it. Of course you have to love it. And when I teach music, I teach the students how to love music, not yes. just to sing music. Yes. They are singing, but they are learning how to love to sing. Hmm. And then that love will drive them back to the activity. That is what I do. I don't teach them to sing. That is not my intention. Of course I teach them to sing. But my intention is how can I make you fall in, the, in love with the tune that you are singing? That is my intention. How easy, how difficult it is to teach students who grew up outside India and who are not of Indian origin. It takes a little more patience because Mm -hmm. there are a few things that you take for granted. Yes, yes. That you have to start defining here. Yeah. But I mean, the only ingredient that I consider is your willingness and want to learn. Talking of osmosis, see, I don't think God is a partial person. Mm-hmm. He has gifted all of us with basic senses. And I truly believe music is an extension of that basic sense. As long as I'm able to make that musical sense in you vibrate with the frequency outside, you will start singing. And then it's a matter of practice and aptitude and skill as to how far you can take. But just like language, I mean, you say Sanskrit is difficult. Yes, it is. But if you spend time with it, you can speak Sanskrit. It's sad that there's not very many spending as much time. So that workshop, that homework, it told me that there is a lot of appetite. Mm -hmm. And that's where I actually launched MKSM online. And as we speak right now, there is some student in the world 
that one of my teachers is teaching Indian classical music too. We have a global presence, and I actually feel very, very humbled mm-hmm. to be able to have a tool and a means of trying to spread the joy of Indian classical music. Music, and uh, when I say Indian classical music is easy, I'm not trivializing it. Mm-hmm. Running marathon. If you look at it from the outside perspective, you'll see it's very difficult. Yes. But you know there is a three-month course where a person that is not even able to walk a mile, if he persists yes. and goes through the schedule, most of them complete the marathon. Sure. So in that sense, I say it is easy. <laughs> I mean, it is easy, but it's not simple. It's not simple. There's two different things. It is easy if you take it on as a lifelong pursuit. I mean, what do you want to get from it is where you'll start defining whether it is easy or difficult or not. In classical music is nuanced, so it takes a little bit of patience. But I think the yield of happiness does not wait until you actually start singing it well. That's the yes. beauty of Indian classical music. Yes. And that is what I am trying to. imbibe and inculcate in everyone that i can and you are touching generations like my mother as you met her and saw yes. she she loves you no, your talk grateful. your music i am there my daughter so this is grateful. what matters when you are touching generations and making an yes, impact yes you know very recently on my tour mm-hmm. i was in cleveland mm-hmm. and i was student there uh, she came and then i also saw a little child that i recognized is my student also it's then when i realized that that child was actually her son uh. and i was like wow both of you are learning and you know what she said my dad in nagpur is also an mksm student <laughs> so there are three generations of uh, I know, I know. students that and i feel extremely extremely humbled and happy so i'm glad for all your kind words but i truly honestly don't think uh, the credit goes to me it it goes to my mother my father my abhisheki bua my gangurde guruji my mentors there are several people everyone at abhisheki bua's household was like a guru to me yes. because they were in that age in that experience so i have had recollection i would go sit in front of everyone painsega ka raja bahu prabhakar ka ka of course shaunak dada shaunak dada taught me so much of music yes i mean he he is a, a is a guru to me i abhishek have abhishek ji son of course abhishek yes, ji yes, son yes uh, i have traveled with him i have seen him in his early period i have watched him grow i have seen him take on the challenges and he yes. taught me so every one of these have and it might sound cliche but i in my experience this is how it is because when i sing a certain thing i'm reminded of a certain place of influence i'm just channelizing that place of influence and it is wonderful to be able to do that i feel you know a tree you see a tree grow into a trunk and branches but it is actually the soil that is transformed into a different shape and that soil has existed for thousands and thousands of years so to so me yes. i'm just channelizing through these places of influence which are again channelized from other places of influence in a linkage of hundreds and hundreds of years yes and that brings me to the most important question and that is you always say i am humbled i don't take any credit for you how do you keep your feet on ground how does that is it again natural or you need and even the spiritual side of you we had that two hour of talk the other day and it was so beautiful just like you're singing we were enthralled we were engaged we were like just listening to you so uh, i know it's a very difficult question maybe it's just part of you but how does this happen like for young generation they need to know how to not get distracted by all the things social media and the glamour and the tarifs and awards but be a person you are and the way you started 
you know, again, I think I might sound monotonous, but it has to do with how I, I was brought up. <laughs> this is the only way I know to think. So I don't know there is another way to think. Uh, it is a good way to think if you agree. Then this is how all of us should think. I mean, uh, excellence, any pursuit of excellence, and be it science or arts or anything, the pursuit of excellence itself is humbling. Because you, I mean, if you count by what you have accomplished, then you are on the path of ego that will take you to a wrong place. <laughs> but if you are on the path of trying to know how much there is left, then you are only always going to be humbled. You Such. need uh, affirmation. So I'm very happy when I'm able to sing to a lot of people and make them happy. Or I get these awards. They are affirmations to me. They encourage me, motivate me to keep on treading on this path. But by design, you know, just being in company of music itself is so giving that... Uh, I mean, I don't yes, know I why I would be otherwise. And you I, are there to give because I see you, you do doodling also, right? And <laughs> I see you making SpongeBob yeah. for kids. Yeah. And I see videos, people sending you videos where their baby's crying and then yeah. you start singing and they just stop crying. Yeah. So all this is a blessing, God's it gift. Is, it is, it is. And also uh, the feel that you want to give selflessly. So Meheshi, I have so many questions and I'm sure I'll meet you again yeah. and again and again in life and I'll ask you. And so many of my listeners wanted me to talk to you in Marathi, also in Hindi. So I think we'll have to do part two, part three. Zero. But at this time, I would just say one thing that the Maheshi I met some 10 years back, he's still the same Maheshi. So I yeah. hope he still remains the Thank same you. and achieves more and more and more. Thank you so much. Thank but you. before we go, you have to say something to our listeners. And even if you want to hum a line or say something, uh, we would appreciate that. You know, in the spirit of what we talked, spreading what you like and hoping that everyone is in a happy place because only then all of us will be happy. There is a, a prayer that my Guruji composed. And then I think I'll hum that for you. Sure. Adityaya Timiratava Adityaya Timiratava Rugvedaya Hidayatava Srujanatvadya Dya Aryata Anudarita Durita Hara Sarvatmaka Sarveshwara Sarvatmaka Sarveshwara Ganga Dhara Shiva Sundara Zeze Jagi Zagate Taya Mazhe Mhana Karuna Kara Sarvatmaka 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 Sarveshwara Dhanyavad Khoop 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 Chan Very nice Thank you so much Maheshi And I would like to thank Purva also for yeah. being instrumental for this interview and being yeah. instrumental in your life and playing such important part and see, she has done so much in her own life and research and she deserves an episode for herself so I'm yeah. going to do that soon yeah you must she and we will know to, about her thesis and she's yes. on to something very meaningful and impactful at the same time yes and that needs to reach to to yes. people and I'll definitely work on that. Friends, this is KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. I'm Pranjali and we were talking to Mahesh Kaiji on Chai Time. We
thank Maheshi from Stanford, from all the listeners and from myself. Thank you, Maheshi. Thank you so much for inviting me and giving me an opportunity to chat with all your audience. Thank you. Thank you, Maheshi.